Today's New Testament lesson is from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, last week, we concluded our sermon series on the family tree with a focus on the prophecy of Jesus. And next week, we'll start a new series on the preaching of Jesus. And so today, we sit there in that in-between, which is perfect because today's text is a transition text. It takes us from the annunciation and the birth of Jesus into the life and the ministry of Jesus. And Luke uses this moment, this moment where Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple for his dedication to tell us a little bit more about what his identity is and his purpose is. It adds to what we've already learned in the earlier birth narratives. And there's just a lot that's happening in today's text So the first thing we see is that Mary and Joseph were being obedient to the law. They were doing everything that was required of them, the text says. They had previously circumcised Jesus on the eighth day, and they had given him the name that the angel of the Lord had commanded them to give. And now they were making their way back to the temple to offer the sacrifice that was required for the purification of Mary after childbirth. Now, what this means is that after a woman gives birth in Israel, she is considered unclean for a period of time. 
And during that period of time, which if you have a son, it's 40 days, or if you have a daughter, it's 80 days, you're not allowed to touch anything holy or to enter the temple. Now, we find ourselves where that period of time has ended for Mary, and they're coming to the temple to offer um, their sacrifice to God. Now, the scripture says that this offering is a lamb and a pigeon. But the text that we read today shows us that that's not what Mary and Joseph brought to the temple. They actually brought two young pigeons or two turtle doves. So what that tells us is that they were offering what was referred to as the offering of the poor. So when we consider the fact that Mary and Joseph brought the offering of the poor, we can understand that God has sent Jesus, the Messiah, to be born to parents who were living in poverty, who had very little resources. So Jesus likely knew intimately the insecurities that can happen in life, the struggles and the difficulties, the cruelties, particularly when you come from a poor family. And it's not really surprising that God would send his son to be born in the midst of a poor family because all throughout the Old Testament, we see that God has a preference for the poor and loves the poor. In fact, we see elsewhere in scripture, Jesus saying to a man who wanted to follow him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, knowing this, about the life experience of our Lord, it should soften our hearts and it should move us to compassion, to follow his command, to care for the poor. In fact, Jesus made this point very directly in a parable in Matthew when he said, quote, whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. So in essence, what he was saying was whenever you care for the sick, When you show mercy to the poor, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give something to drink to the thirsty, you have done these very things for me. Jesus wants us to see his face in the face of the poor. He wants us to love them the same way that we love him. And if that doesn't move us to missional action, I really don't know what will. Now, the second thing that we see happening in today's text is the Holy Family is bringing Jesus to be dedicated at the temple. Now, according to Israelite law, the firstborn, whether animal or human, must be presented to God as a holy offering. The firstborn, like the first fruits, were considered to be of utmost value. They were considered to be the best part of the crop and the most important offspring of families. The first animals were given as a burnt offering, while the firstborn sons were set apart as holy for service to God. But in practice, the firstborn sons could be and often were bought back or redeemed from God through the payment of five shekels, which is about a month's worth of pay. Now this money was given to support the temple priest who would then serve in their place. So when you come to the temple and you dedicate your child to God, it's essentially about remembering and celebrating the fact that everything that is valuable and precious in life is a gift from God. 
Some of you may have had this experience, but I distinctly remember dedicating each of my children to God even before I had met them. I had a longing in my heart for each one. And before we had Sarah, my first, I prayed over her before she was even conceived, knowing that if we were blessed with a child, that she would be a gift from God. And before we adopted Heather, I prayed over her before we even met her, knowing that if we were blessed with a second child, that she too would be a gift from God. And this was my way of acknowledging and surrendering to the reality that in life there's so much that we're not in control of. I knew that neither one of them belonged to me. They belonged to God. We were just simply given the honor of serving as their parents. And we don't think about it often enough sometimes, but this is true of ourselves too. Our very lives are gifts from God that should not be taken for granted. And it is out of that deep gratitude when we recognize that, that we love God and we serve others. And that's what Mary and Joseph were doing that day long ago when they presented Jesus at the temple. So here they are, Mary and Joseph, making their way through the temple, prepared to fulfill the requirements of the law. And yet before they can even find a priest, a stranger comes up to them and takes the infant Jesus in his arms. Can you imagine? You're on your way to church, you arrive in the parking lot, you get out of your car, and a stranger comes up to you and wants to take your child, baptismal gown and all, and hold them in their arms. I wonder if Mary hesitated or if she knew instinctively that Simeon was a devout and holy and honorable man. And if this wasn't enough disruption, then an elderly woman joins in and she begins speaking all of these strange, unfamiliar words over this child. It must have been pretty incredible and maybe a bit bewildering. But imagine this scene from the perspective of Simeon and Anna. How lovely it must have been for this aged man to cradle an infant Jesus knowing that he was God's Messiah in his arms. The blessedness of that moment. A moment that he had been yearning for his entire life. I imagine him, once he got that nudge from the Holy Spirit that this is the family, he is the one that he rushed over to them with his arms stretched out, anticipating touching the Christ child. I can just imagine the joy that he felt. And the text says that Mary and Joseph were amazed by what both of them were saying. Have you ever seen anything like this happen today? Well, let me share a story with you. I have a friend and she has two sons and her oldest, um, she took one time on a special field trip. They went to a play together, just the two of them. It was intermission and they had gone out to the lobby. They were getting refreshments. They were standing there waiting to go back in. And all of a sudden this lady came up to them and started speaking prophetic words over her son. Can you imagine? My friend said that at first they thought she might have some kind of mental problem. But the longer that they listened to her, 
they could just sense a powerful spiritual presence around, around her and wisdom in her words. So this really small woman prophesied over this really tall young boy that one day he would become a powerful preacher and spiritual leader. Can you imagine? To say the least, they were amazed and a bit bewildered. This lady, this complete stranger, felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to speak prophetic words over her son. And as my friend told me this story, I saw her pondering these things in her heart, confused, not really sure what to make of them. Her son certainly didn't know what to make of them, but it was unexpected and it certainly left an impression. To be honest, knowing what I know about this young man, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it doesn't come true. But of course, only time will reveal if that will happen. And I just wanna pause for a second and make a note here. A word of caution is in order. Not everyone who comes to us claiming to have a word from God is actually guided by the Spirit. And not every thought that we have is actually from God, even when we think it is. We must always test the spirits in ourselves and in others, and we cannot do this alone. We must engage in spiritual direction conversations, particularly with those who are further along on the discipleship path than we are, particularly with those who have the gift of discerning the spirits. And most certainly, we have to engage in deep moments of communion with our Lord in prayer. God certainly used Simeon and Anna in a powerful way. And it's pretty amazing the role that they played and the truth that they shared. So Simeon shared his prophecy first. He first directed his words to God and then to Jesus' parents as a blessing. And then very specifically, he speaks to Mary. And he doesn't hold anything back. Simeon rejoices that Jesus was God's salvation, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for the people of Israel. His words point to the blessings that this child will bring to many, but they also point to the hardship that he will endure. And he predicted the sword that would pierce Mary's own soul. He explained that Jesus would provoke strong reactions from people, both positive reactions and negative reactions. And he said the reaction of the people comes from their heart. It will reveal their heart, and it will be the cause of the rising and the falling of many. Those who are humble and open to Jesus' message will be lifted up, and those who are arrogant and proud and reject Jesus' message will be brought low. So while Simeon spoke directly to God and specifically to the parents, Anna, on the other hand, directed her prophetic words to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Now I have to tell you, there's something in the text that really frustrates me at this point. It's really puzzling to me why her words were not included in the text. Wouldn't you like to know what she said? I sure would. Nevertheless, let's set that aside for a second and let's pay attention to the fact that Luke presents this one man, this one woman, both prophets, who together give us a sense of the magnitude of Jesus' divine purpose. Now think with me for just a moment. 
how this one man and this one woman readied themselves for this one holy moment. What had they been doing? Both were devoted servants who spent their lives in prayer and worship. They spent time seeking to know the presence of the Spirit. They opened themselves to it. They surrendered themselves to it. It was something they had been practicing for years. This was their purpose, their passion, their calling. They were unable to focus on anything else until it happened. And I wonder, have you ever utterly dedicated something yourself to something so intensely? Have you heard of this story of a man in India called the Mountain Man? His intense dedication led him to literally move a mountain. His name is Dashrath Manji, and he was born to parents who belonged to the lowest rung of India's caste system. So they lived in poverty. He ended up working in the coal mines and he married the love of his life. One day when he and his wife were out walking together, his wife slipped and fell off the side of a cliff. She was critically injured and their only hope was to get her to the hospital. But the problem was the most direct route to the hospital was straight through a mountain ridge. And to go around that mountain ridge was a 34 mile journey and they were just not able to get her to the hospital quickly enough. And sadly, she succumbed to her injuries. As you can imagine, he was devastated. Fueled by his love for his wife and his grief over her loss, he was determined that no one else would suffer that kind of pain. So he decided that he was gonna make a roadway through that ridge that had stood in the way of getting his wife to the hospital. With only a hammer and a chisel, this man, poor in resources but rich in determination, began a work that would take him 22 years to complete. From 1960 to 1982, he carved a 110 meter path through that ridge. For we Americans, what that means is about 120 yards. So think of a football field, goalpost to goalpost, that's about how long the distance was. Can you imagine that kind of dedication, that kind of love that it must have took? What was once a 34-mile journey was reduced to a mere 9.3 miles, and it was a great blessing to his fellow villagers. This is the kind of dedication and single-minded focus that Simeon and Anna showed, too. A few weeks ago, Pastor Allison showed me a picture of Iris, her oldest, waiting on a delivery of a special Christmas package. Isn't she precious? She was so excited about getting her very own nativity scene that on the day that the delivery was to arrive, Iris longingly waited by the window for the package. In fact, she waited with such such intense anticipation that she wore herself out and fell asleep. Just look at her slumped across the couch there, her precious hand just glued to the window, waiting. It must have seemed like an eternity in preschooler time, but you'll be happy to know that the package arrived 
and that she loved it and it was totally worth the wait and it brought so much joy to her. Simeon and Anna waited not for a few minutes or part of a day or even weeks. They waited for years, preparing themselves the whole time, practicing their faith, holding firm to their hope. Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Simeon and Anna were pure in heart. They were dedicated to the one thing that Jesus would later proclaim was necessary. To spend time with the Lord, to sit at his feet in open, humble, attentive, expectant, waiting. And when we intentionally dedicate ourselves to doing this with pure hearts, we too will see the presence of God all around us even in unexpected places and in unexpected faces. May it be so.